In a world shaped by ancient civilizations and remarkable trade networks, a wondrous journey awaits. Footprints presents Connected, a gripping 10-episode series that takes you into the lives of ordinary people whose destinies intertwine with the ancient Silk Road and the Belt and Road Initiative. Following the modern initiative that connects several continents via land and maritime networks, we uncover captivating stories along the way and witness how it bridges different cultures and peoples throughout time. Brace yourself for an enthralling experience with Connected, arriving on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today and join us on this extraordinary journey through time and space. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you live from Beijing, I'm He Yang. Good as always to have you along. We take a look at the advantages and challenges that a farm, food, or agriculture business faces when employing e-commerce. How does e-commerce reshape the way we grow, sell, and consume food? And we're on a mission of starting your week with a motivational kick. Our motivational Monday offerings will get you ready to tackle the week for today. Today's program, I'm joined by Feifei and Pearl in the studio. First on today's show. The rise of e-commerce has revamped, if not redefined, every industry it has touched, and agriculture is no exception. The traditional methods of farming and the way agricultural products are marketed and sold have been reshaped by the digital revolution, which creates new opportunities and challenges both for farmers and consumers. The shift towards e-commerce in agriculture has become a central topic of economic discussions in China, as it has been recognized as an important approach to poverty alleviation and and also rural revitalization. So let's take a look at what's going on here in China. We have seen a live streaming hosts selling agricultural products online for many years. And what's new this time, or what's the new angle that has been that acts like as a spotlight that shines on this issue? Okay, so that starts with an organization called the China Society of Economic Reform and a media called the Paper.、Um, both of them cooperated and launched a research last year and looking at how、uh, agriculture has been working with new platforms on the internet. And then that research team embarked on a year, about eight month long journey, going to different regions into China. I think they went to, for example, provinces really in the southern part of China, Yunnan, and they also went north to the province of Gansu, and also they went to some major agricultural production base、mm. like Shandong and Zhejiang, and then eventually. Um, July on July the 11th of this year, they published their research results, and their findings. I think is some of them are quite surprising, and some some of them are, are sort of coming with our expectations. Is that, of course, e-commerce has offered a lot of opportunities for many many regions and villages, especially those in less developed regions, and also they are building bridges, especially among. Uh, farmers who are growing and set, trying to sell their produce with the markets, and I know we know that traditionally, especially in the traditional market, there has always been talks about you know how to build this link between the sellers and the buyers in the market, and of course, e-commerce pla- e-commerce platforms actually played a pretty good role there, but they also find there are a lot of dis. Parities happening、mm-hmm. among different regions in China in terms of resource conditions. For example, for developed provinces like Zhejiang, like Shandong, they are known for their economic powers. And of course, when it comes to agriculture, their location, their industrial structure, their infra- infrastructure, and their local government physical capacity would be much、uh, different from provinces like Gansu or Yunnan. And There's still, I think, a lot of catch up for less developed regions that need to do, 
and that's what the 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 research basically by the paper and the China Society of Economic Reform has have found out.、Mm-hmm. So, what's the takeaway or what stood out for you, Pearl,、uh, when you're looking at this topic? Uh, what I found is that a lot of, I guess, power is being given to local farmers in in all these regions that were previously neglected in a way, or the regions that never had much access to infrastructure and、uh, marketing tools、uh, as well as facilities that will help them to. Uh, reach out to their consumers and、uh, be able to market their、um, their products that they are farming in local rural communities. And so now with the the e-commerce platforms, what we are seeing is that farmers are able to sell directly to the consumers, and also what, there are new platforms that are being developed to actually、um, give access to these farmers that did not have. Um, that uh, I guess uh, power as well as uh, knowledge uh, in terms of marketing their products to the mar- to the consumers, and now they are having this access, and they are able to reach out to directly to the consumers. So I think this is a great development that we are seeing.、Uh, I was reading about、uh, this gentleman from Xinjiang province,、uh, the region、uh, Xinjiang, who who went around and and studied here. In Beijing, I think, or in the bigger cities, one of the bigger cities. If it's not, if I'm not mistaken, it was Beijing, and、uh, he went back home and and helped out his local farmers or the local farmers in the region by actually starting a platform where he's helping them market their products, and now more farmers are getting,、um, I guess, are getting an opportunity to sell their produce. To、uh, farmers all over China、uh, through this process or this initiative by this young man, and、uh, he's also now created a business where he's employing people, and so there are many opportunities that are opening up due to this process、mm. of、um, encouraging as well as growing e-commerce here in China. Yes, and it's pretty much asking for a different type of talent, or it'd be just very useful if you're somebody who's. Tech savvy, who knows how to use the internet as well as social media, and already so many existing platforms. But how can you like utilize them to, in an effective manner? And a lot of the times, it's the younger folks who just naturally sort of grow up with these skills, and then it becomes really handy for them to use these skills to take up these job opportunities and even create their own business, and thus creating job opportunities for other people. And that is, I think, one of the really promising. Angle to look at what's going on, and certainly we have seen more young people who return to their、um, hometowns or home county at least and seek opportunities there. Because,、um, well, the situation is different for everybody, but living in big cities also comes with its own high cost and other woes, as well as maybe gains. But、um, it, it's really up to the individual to weigh all these different factors. And sometimes it seems like going. For e-commerce plus agriculture in your home、um, county or this geographic location sounds like a pretty good idea. But also, like as you guys have been men-、uh, has have been talking about this,、um, I, I realized there's a small footnote which was really interesting. Just as we were doing research for this topic, and then it came to、uh, my attention that is,、um, there are certain kinds of infrastructure that. M- That makes agriculture plus e-commerce just so much easier to、mm. to work as opposed to, you know, not having that infrastructure. And one surprising,、uh, let me just group it within the infra,、uh, infrastructure category. That is population density. So, like China is a country with a huge population. That is not news. But some of our provinces or regions have more people inhabiting, in, in uh, uh, habiting, uh, taking habitat there, as opposed to other places. And let's say about you know those big provinces which have a lot of population, like what、um, they they mentioned, for example, like Shandong province.、Mm-hmm. And then, not only is it.、Uh, 
a significant farm base, agriculture base, but it is also a place with a lot of people living there. And then once you have a lot of people、um, taking up home there, it would also mean that. Delivery is easier, and a lot of the infrastructure investment would simply go there, and then it just makes you know the supply and demand of e-commerce plus agriculture so much more efficient. So to 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 to, to sort of hit the ground running,、um, some places are just. They have a natural advantage in a way, but also we're at this point that we need to look at how to bring the a little bit more obscure regions or areas sort of、um, up to speed and help them improve this efficient connection from supplier to. The consumer, so to speak. So there's a lot to talk about here,、mm-hmm. um, and and also like if we look at the situation, how big do you think this market is? How big of、uh, an industry we're talking about?、Um, is it something that is worthwhile for more people to join in,、um, so to speak? Yeah,、uh, according to data from the Ministry of Commerce,、um, the online sales of China's farm produce rose. More than nine percent year on year has been risen to, I think, five hundred thirty billion yuan in 2022, which is almost eighty billion U.S. dollars. So we are looking at a, I think, pretty lucrative market here. And I think, as Huayang just mentioned, that with all the infrastructure projects we've already had here in China, a lot of produce that you don't think. You are able to get in your city are becoming a realization right now. For example,、uh, you know, during the past few months is the season for waxberries, Yangmei in in eastern China, and the most important base is either in Zhejiang or Fujian provinces, which are very far from Beijing. Beijing. They're like in the very.、Uh, Pretty southern part of the country, especially if you are taking high-speed railway、mm. and from Beijing to Fuzhou, for example, you'll probably take like eight or to ten hours to get there. Even with high-speed railway, yes, exactly. And so when, but you know, my my husband is from that region, and he really missed that home taste of waxberries.、Oh. And now we found that on Pinduoduo on that platform, we are able to get all different kinds of waxberries that you can imagine of, like. The wild ones that you you only found on in forests, or the white waxberries. I don't think many people have heard about it. I have it. never heard of them. And apparently, you we can place the orders on Pinduoduo, and of course,、uh, some farmers in Fujian provinces they will start to packing things up and deliver it to us within two days because the waxberries can be perished very easily. So almost within two days, we're able to receive these wild waxberries. Uh, fre- really fresh, even though some of them became perished along the way, but most of them are pretty good and pretty tasteful. And I think that's how the logistics and the modern technology has been helping us, and especially for us consumers. From、uh, for me, like a person from the northern part, I've never tasted a wild. Waxberries or white waxberries,、mm. but then with these e-commerce platforms,、uh, farmers in Fujian province can reach to a northerner like me,、mm. and me, a northerner, can also be able to get my hands on some really rare produce for me as well to have a taste. And、yeah. I think that's that's a really fun part of it. Becoming reality in China right now. Yes, and can I just add one point to your wild waxberry <laughs> story? That is, they're known in this country, Pearl, that they're very fragile. And you, there's that term, you know, you,、uh, you bruise easily like a peach. What else bruises more? Easier than peaches, I would say waxberries.、Mm-hmm. So it takes、uh, refrigerated, refrigerated logistics. It takes a lot of coordination from upstream to downstream to the、uh, consumer to. Supply so many waxberries to Beijing or Shanghai or wherever you're placing that order. So, yeah, that that makes me feel excited as well as a little bit peckish.、Um, <laughs> so、yeah, Pearl. So, so yeah, you are seeing that、um, there is that、uh, gap that is being bridged 
between the farmer as uh-huh. well as uh, the consumer. You, t- you touched on this, um, the storage centers or facilities that were not there before in these rural, deep rural areas. Now we are seeing through teaming up with um, the e-commerce platforms, we are seeing these facilities now coming closer to farmers uh, in deep rural communities. And so they are able to preserve their products for much longer and uh, also ensure that they get to the consumer in good quality. So e-commerce platforms, uh, this is what they've brought to farmers. They've brought in um, access to very, very valuable infrastructure and the issue of uh, logistics we've just touched on you know and uh, so this is very encouraging to hear and see because this also helps to even bring much more than what people were thinking uh, is associated to agriculture you are now building new industries in these communities through the access that you are seeing in uh, various um, communities that that the access or the attraction of all these infrastructure uh, facilities that are being brought into their communities and also it gives farmers the opportunity to diversify their products i mean you may have a community that was known for just one product but now because they have access to infrastructure and other facilities that are associated with agriculture with the agricultural sector they're now able to think outside the box and and look at other things that they can do um there is this uh, uh one example of uh, Hongher honey and uh e autonomous pre- uh, prefecture in southern yunnan province where through the e-commerce platforms that emerged in this in this in this community or this area what they've seen is that maybe we can also do ginger and make ginger a very lucrative product. So now we are seeing it's one of their main uh, uh, main products that they are focusing on. They are planting and farming uh, ginger. Mm-hmm. And uh, also they are, I mean, maybe before it was just farmed in, in, in households mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, something to farm and, and consume immediately. But now they can trade in this product and uh, be able to earn a living out of it. So yeah. these are some of the developments that we are seeing that are very encouraging, especially uh, when it comes to economic development in rural areas, rural areas that are dependent on agriculture for survival. Yes, and also there's another um, lesson of uh, MBA or the, 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 the business school that comes in handy, which has already been utilized by people, that is establish your local brand. So let's say when um, Feifei mentions wax berries, we think of Xianju mm. or in a couple of other places as well, but within that that, that area. And then when we talk about uh, the, the juicy peaches mm. of this season, then we think of maybe Yangshan. And then uh, ham, we think of and then so all these areas, I mean, come establishing your local brand that there's this one particular delicacy or farm produ- a produce that is specifically linked to your uh, geographic location, then that makes that makes great sense for local farmers and they can um, sort of easily make that advertisement uh, to uh, users if they they sort of gradually, take this in as oh this is an established local brand slash reputation as such and that becomes in quite handy and also um not only is e-commerce sort of bridging the gap connecting the uh, supplier and the uh the people on the demand side but also e-commerce has reshaped the traditional way of growing food and this is the part that i find to be fascinating so in the past, wasn't it just you come up with an idea, maybe the seed is, is good or that your area grows this particular produce and then you just do what a farmers do. But now this is not so simple. Mm-hmm. Apparently, <laughs> yes. Apparently with the rise of um, the, the these direct, I think what the professionals are, talk, are referring to as the direct sales model, a lot of the e-commerce platforms can actually sign 
contracts with farmers by telling them that you know what we want this kind of produce for this season, and you can grow and plant these produce specifically, and then we'll handle all the marketing and the selling part afterwards.、Mm. And I think it sort of saves the headaches for many farmers, especially small farmers, that even though with all the different technology available, I think for a lot of the small farmers. Who are in their fifties or sixties? They they may not be as sensitive to changes in the market as young farmers, and so by doing this sort of contract fa- farming, they are、mm. able to、um, to get ahead with what the market wants and. At least what the platforms wants to sell on their platforms, and they don't have to worry about you know branding myself or marketing myself to a, a billion population in the market. And I think、um, it sort of start to relieve the pressures for a lot of farmers right now, especially small farmers. And I think small farmers in most of the Chinese agricultural area is prominent. Part of this agriculture, we don't have like big farms like what the United States or Canada normally have. We have like farmers by households. They may have very small patch of land to grow farm produce, and they're really vulnerable when it comes to changes in the market, especially when we are talking about produce like ginger or、mm. watermelons. Yeah. The- Perishable goods,、is、the per- and also they, their their prices can be very fluctuated、mm. depending on the weather, on the market demands. We can have point five quai of watermelon this year, and then next year we may have the soaring price because the weather is different. Yes, and and if、uh, sometimes you don't have enough people to harvest the. Produce,、mm-hmm. or you don't have the immediate orders that come in. Then sometimes,、um, unfortunately, agricultural produce just sits in the、uh, in the field, and it gets to a point of、uh, being wasted. And that is just the most unfortunate situation for a farmer. So it's important to have these、uh, orders in, and also. They sometimes they can come in early. Now that you even have a certain kind of like pre-order system、mm. for some of the more established online virtual agricultural stores, and then I would think、um, the farmer would be sitting on a pile of let's say a thousand pre-orders with a big smile on his face because he knows that all this stuff is going to sell and that's money. Uh, rolling in, but also we're seeing a lot of challenges that are we're、mm. also facing at this point because I think it's been a few years、uh, since initially we've seen oh this is a great way to cut the middleman to make sure the farmers can find the potential pers-、uh, consumer, but now apparently the rise of labor costs and logistics costs is a big problem for people as well and. Also, maybe some of the other challenges that Pearl you can think of. I mean,、uh, when you talk about labor costs, of course,、um, I think that's a, a problem or a challenge. Let me not say problem, a challenge across the board in in terms of all sectors. And so, yes, it will hit hard the smaller farmers. Who need labor, but they cannot. They don't earn enough to, you know,、um, support or pay for that labor. And、uh, what are the things that I think that are associated with the e-commerce and agriculture that I've come across is the issue of poaching. Of、uh, you know, once、um, uh, farmers they 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 start their business. Especially when they market like streaming, when they start streaming and they employ people who are anchors to do the marketing for them online, other bigger farmers or bigger、uh, companies that watch this person、um, being successful in what they're doing, they come and poach that anchor who is actually helping the small farmer to、uh, market their products. So I think that. That's one of the interesting challenges that I've come across, and、um, yeah, so it forces、uh, businesses or people that are doing streaming, live streaming, to train more people. It, it, it so that opens up job opportunities, but you have to also deal with this poaching issue where you, your best、uh, talent is being taken by those with 
a lot of money because they can afford to pay them or entice them with a lot of money. So that kind of uh, defeats the purpose in a in a way. Yes, exactly. And I think with the severe competitions in the market, a lot of different villages who are trying to establish their own brands, they are sort of facing the same competition and competitiveness in the market. They're trying to, but they don't have the know-hows of how to set up my brands that can be different and can sell in the market. And I think that's also another challenge that they need to overcome in the future to branding themselves. Yes, that's also another really good point. It's like if let's say this locality is known for peaches, then maybe your Fay Fay's peach is are just the best. <laughs> How do you establish that name for yourself? And also,、um, a low level of primary food processing is another、mm. thing that、uh, now I think with the increasingly sophisticated demand of a diverse consumer base, people would possibly want you know of different ranges of peaches and other. Produce, so to speak, and it's a demand to answer. We'll be back after this break. Deep Dive, a podcast of CGT Radio. Go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, Hu Young. I'm joined by Pearl and Fei Fei in the studio. Coming up, thanks to one of our listeners' email, we are privy to a sentiment called "embarrassed to look attractive." Apparently, it is shared by more folks than expected. The lo- logic goes like this: If you've made an Effort to look more attractive than everybody else in the room. Do you risk losing a tribe to belong to? Will you be judged for being different? And our special segment, Motivational Monday, coming your way, will give you that adrenaline shot for the start of the week. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. If you have questions that you want us to answer on social issues, business, technology, or whatever moves your spirit, you can send. Those our way. There's a place to do it. EZFMRoundtable at foxmail.com. Emails are fine, but voice memos are always better because we like to air your voice memo on the show. You know, you're like the fourth person that's joining the discussion, and we really appreciate it. Now on Roundtable, as we continue today's discussion, anyone know the sentiment of feeling embarrassed by looking attractive? More women have opened up about it. They are afraid of what people might think, and consequently suppress their innate need of wanting to be beautiful. Possible judgments include, but not are, li- but are not limited to, you don't fit in the crowd who don't dress up. You're trying too hard, or you're dressing up to impress the opposite sex, and. That might not look good. There's just a lot of thoughts going on, and they're kind of negative thoughts that's beaten this woman down by the sound of it. So,、uh, it's still a little bit of an elusive concept. Fei Fei, could you help us understand a little bit more of what this kind of shame or fear of beauty is about? Well, I think. An easier example would be if you wear makeup today, or you really dre- try to dress up today, and then you go out on the streets. You start to worry that again, the anxious that people are looking at you and judging you. And when actually some people commented on your look or your makeup today, saying, "You know, you look good. You look nice today. You feel like." They don't mean it. They are just saying this out of you know politeness or good manners. They don't really think I look good or my makeup good or my look is good. And I think it's um, it's sort of sort of don't lack of confidence in yourself that you deserve to be 
complimented, and then at the same time you deserve to look attractive and beautiful at the same time. I would say it's some sort related to a lack of self confidence in these regard.、Mm. But I'm not really sure because I think it's a concept really difficult. To comprehend, if you have never been there before, and I think it's also said it's it's kind of a social anxiety. So I think it's more complicated than you know just afraid of looking beautiful. Do you get what we're talking about here, Pearl? Yeah, I mean, I'll have to agree with Fefe. It's it's something、uh, too complicated to just understand at at a one go. You know, at a cursory、um, look. Because you you need to fully understand what's going on inside a person who's suffering from、uh, this kind of、um, anxiety, but、uh, it's not to say it's not out there. It doesn't exist. It does、mm-hmm. exist. People do feel、uh, uncomfortable when whenever they get complimented, and、uh, like Fefe just said, it could be the lack of、uh, self confidence. If you grew up not having he- heard your Parents or anyone around you telling you, you look good, you look beautiful the way you are. Then you sometimes you take that in, you internalize that, and you grow up, and then you think whenever someone compliments you, it becomes strange or weird, and you feel like no, that's not me. You're not calling me or describing、mm-hmm. me. I'm not that person. So people just shrivel up into a ball. <laughs> In a way,、yeah. and they try to hide themselves. I was reading up 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 about this lady in the U.S. She says she dresses in a way that will not make her look beautiful because I think it's around fourteen years old. She used to get a lot of like lewd comments, catcalling,、oh. and and. Things like that, and so she didn't like that. She didn't want that kind of attention on her. I mean, most women don't like that. But this is a young girl. She was fourteen years old, and so it's it's. I guess it's understandable for her to try and you know not look a certain way so that she doesn't get that kind of attention. So even now in her twenties, I think she's she tries to disguise her looks by dressing down,、mm-hmm. and、uh, so for her that's kind of like hiding from people so that she doesn't get、um, those comments that she used to get when、right. she was younger. It, it, the way you explain it is, I think, very easy for people to understand and to to see through like that kind of、uh, be, uh, this kind of behavior. But also, if we look at how Chinese kids are raised, one generation after another, it seems pretty rare. Or maybe with the younger generation of parents in born in the nineteen nineties who might、uh, parent a different way, but it's. In my、uh, opinion, rare for parents to comment on their kids' looks or say, "Oh, you're beautiful."、Mm. And also in traditional Chinese culture, it seems like,、um, well, at least when they're raising the kid, maybe it's out of fear of you don't want to raise a kid who's into vanity or something like、mm. that. You know, when they're young, it like there might be this emphasis on, "Oh."、Uh, Draw,、um, dressing and acting in a modest fashion, and that is the safe way. That is also the the way that is in line with traditional Chinese culture, which is which is not about you know you blowing up the scene. It's more about you fit in. So I think in the Chinese context, maybe there's also this sense of you're being afraid to stand out. You kind of want to blend in, and that's just the safer option. And that is, I can't think of another another adjective to that. Actually, well, that also reminds me. You know, when I when I well, me and I are pretty of the same age groups, and when we were growing up, we were focusing on what inside. Matters instead of how you look outside, and and, and what did world the world or how did life teach us that lesson? <laughs> that's not true.、Well, that's a different topic. But <laughs> but then I think、uh, every um 
at least female of our age went through this phase of when we are we were in we were in our twenties. We start to put on makeup and need dresses for certain events, and then and I think at the early stage we're really conscious about you know how 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 do I look in my makeup because. For example, this is my first time in my life to put on full makeup and to put on a pretty nice gown and to present myself pretty publicly. I've never done this before, and I think at that time we could be really conscious of how people are looking at me and whether they are judging me or do I look good enough for this occasion. And then, gradually, after several events, after several makeup sessions, I think people would grow out of this,、um, this anxiety and this sentiment and become more natural than when how we want to present ourselves to the society. Maybe we become realize we realize that we don't need makeup to to look nice to be. Presented publicly, or maybe some others will fall in love with the art of makeup and got obsessed with different techniques. You know, just just life takes off takes us into different ways. What do you think, Pearl? I mean, as a young woman, when you come of age as a young woman, yes, those things do happen. That transformation、uh, makes you want to. You know, feel like you are a grown person now, and so you will try out all these different things,、uh, whether it's makeup or dressing a certain way. But then, people will then realize maybe not too much of this because it, it means something culturally. Some some people associate maybe makeup with something negative. Uh, and so women might stay away from wearing too much makeup or wearing makeup at all because you don't want to be called a certain word, which I'm not going to use. Is on this、there. on in South Africa? Well, I think in in the Western world, yes, there is that. If you, for instance, red lipstick,、mm. red lipstick is associated with promiscuity. You know, some people might think, "Oh, you've、mm-hmm. started, you know, doing things that you should not be doing. That's why you are we- wearing that kind of makeup." So, girls, young girls, will stay away from that. That's like very contrary to what I see, though, in a lot of places in like the U.S., the U.K. A lot of like I, I was shocked well, by how young times have changed. Times have changed, of course.、Yeah. But if you ask or do a A bit of survey, a little、mm. survey amongst different cultures,、um, even African cultures,、uh-huh. you will find that maybe in the nineties, that when you ask people about the use of、uh, red, red makeup, people, young people wearing red makeup、mm. or red lipstick to be specific, what maybe the elder people in the community what they associated that with, it will be promiscuity. Even full-on makeup, you know, just not only、um, lipstick. So people have these、um, things that they associate with certain dresses and、uh, makeup and so on. And if you're wearing a, sh- a mini skirt, for instance, that's also in some cultures、mm-hmm. they feel、mm-hmm. it's inappropriate. It's associated with, you know, being fast. In a、mm. way, being promiscuous, you know, that's、mm. another way of saying、yeah. people are promiscuous. You say they're fast, so there are negative,、uh, I guess,、uh, connotations to what you do. So people try to stay away from those、uh, um, outfits and makeup、uh, makeups that they feel will give them that, I guess, outlook when or、yeah. that presentation、um, when people look at them. That's really great. You brought up these、um, cultural differences in light of the same item, and for many people, the lipstick is like the first makeup、uh, item one、mm. ever gets.、Mm. And、um, I still remember while I was living in the U.S., I was so shocked by how young some of the girls would be putting on makeup, and in high school, pretty much. The popular people, <laughs> which I was never 
uh, part of that pack, um, they were all wearing makeup. And, and a lot of the girls and men, young men as well, the boys as well, it just looked as if they can't wait to grow up. The way you dress, the way you act, and a lot of that stuff. But, you know, now as a grown person, you're like, oh, kids, it's okay to slow down a little bit, you know. But, but anyway, um, so it's really interesting to see how these um, different cultures perceive how a person might dress or whatnot. And it certainly influences how people act. But sometimes, you know, when, when we look at this particular issue, of possibly shame or this feel of guilt of dressing up nicely or standing out from the pack because of your looks or or it could be anything else I feel um it's cultural too mm, and sometimes definitely. um we have people who really think so a, a lot into it and it really does mold one's behavior and hopefully it's not like a negative sort of conversation cycle that we speak to ourselves because that brings us down and that's so incredibly detrimental to our mental health and you we need to it also happens in the workplace Oh, mm. you know, some people will, would not hire people that look pretty or handsome because of the fear that it might start trouble in the workplace with all the, I guess, inappropriateness that might happen. They just think, oh, you might fall in love with people <laughs> in the office, that kind of thing. So you might be disadvantaged. So people in that sense, because then they look at you and like, no, I don't like to hire She's her. She's too pretty. Or maybe she's too pretty. She's prettier than the boss, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it it's bad because then people are forced to downplay their looks and their appearances just because they have this uh, <laughs> disadvantage when it comes to being hired in a workplace. Well, that's so nice. You son the unsung story of a beautiful person because as an average person, you always see, oh, the looks get you a leg up in the workplace. <laughs> yes, or that's what we are used to. That, yeah. yeah, when yeah. you're pretty, you get a leg up. Yes, it happens. But there's also the other side to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that also reminds me of how one of my friends in Japan, she's working and living in Japan right now, and she told me how certain stigma has been attached to leggings you know leggings are pretty popular right now around the world you know girls boys they love to wear leggings to their workout on their day off or even to work in some countries but apparently in Japanese cities if you wear leggings out on the street people will start to stare at you and judge you because you know the, the clothes is pretty fit with your body and I think at one point she even though she's a very big workout fan and she she has a lot of leggings in her wardrobe it's just too embarrassed for her to wear that leggings out publicly mm. and then she she experienced this turn of I know of sentiment maybe in herself as if you view she's told me if you view yourself as a foreigner in that country mm -hmm. and then you start to feel comfortable enough to wear leggings out on the streets because you are a foreigner you're not a Japanese who cares you judge me and stare at me I'm a foreigner and that's sort of my um, <laughs> self-defense shield against all the judgments and staring on the streets yeah if I were her I'd be wearing this plaque uh, uh, at the back of uh, at the back just saying Chinese <laughs> only here for five days <laughs> fashion choice my thing <laughs> but but yes certain people or sometimes people don't really want to be in the center of attention and that's the part I find to be interesting that now it's like something worth discussion oh you don't want to be the center of attention I mean isn't isn't it even like you know just Raising this question shows that maybe in our Chinese society, something has changed. A little bit, yes, I think. At least for a smaller, small group of people that they love to be the center of the spotlight. And they are trying their different ways to try to stay in the spotlight for as long as they can. And then, but at the same time, I think for the majority of the Chinese people, we do want to stay um, like more of in a pack that we don't. I don't want to stand stand out 
in my group. I want to be not as the same as everybody else, but at least I don't look too different. You know、um, what I mean? Pearl, can you relate to that kind of sentiment? What just、um, Fefe just explained to us? I don't like. Feel to be free not to. <laughs> the center of attention. Yeah, you、so. go, girl. <laughs> you have my full attention. <laughs> so I mean, I don't like to be in the like. Oh, you the don't? Of, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, you don't have my attention now. Then I think, I think I'm the type that would like to be in the background of everything, you know. But yeah, maybe every now and then, then I'll step out into the spotlight. But you know,、uh, and. I know I'm I'm working on radio and yeah blah 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 but you know no I don't like to be that's be- okay too I'm only behind a mic here you can't see me so it's yeah. okay yeah <laughs> I, I feel that that comfort too and I like to hide in the uh, uh, anonymity in that sense and that's one thing I really enjoy about the radio but Fifi what you mentioned there about that、uh, in my view quite. Traditional Chinese way of looking at oh stand out versus blending in.、Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not entirely uniquely Chinese, I suppose. Well, you know, human beings have many great contradictions. One of them is our difficulty to honestly appreciate the virtues of others without feeling threatened or bothered by them. And it's not exactly envy. It might be what is called. Tall poppy syndrome. In other languages, they have named this as high exposure syndrome. So basically, this shows、um, well that when people stand out too much in any given area, then they can generate hatred in others, and that hatred cannot be called. And via such, rather, it has to do with the fact that the success of others makes a person's own limitations become more visible and、uh. prominent. And this is one of the darker parts of human nature, possibly. But、mm. uh, so, in in order to act in a safe way, then sometimes we try to avoid to put ourselves in that situation.、Um, yeah, like the tallest nail gets hammered down.、Um, this is. A Dutch maximum, a maximum. Can you believe that?、Um, but I still think that in today's world, I think we, we, I think we've moved on to some degree, and I think it's, it's the right thing to do to be who you are. Yes, it is. But you know what you just described with the difference, the the syndrome. I think he's just getting repeated. Online every day, that when people are posting their photos on any social media platforms, whether they want to share with the general public or they're just posting this as a way of a, a way of journaling, they will meet comments and judgments from other people.、Uh, maybe her 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 legs are too big, or he's. Body is not fit enough, and they will encounter such comments sooner or later. And I think is sort of yeah, in part in line with the human nature that when you see cer- certain things, is within your nature to start having a sort of evaluation of how that person in that photo looks. Yes, but there's also going to be people who say, "Oh, you look great." I mean, there, there's always the two extremes. Yes, exactly. I feel, and then you gotta pick your comment that you you want to yeah, but believe in. As humans, we always go for the negative comments, and we internalize those negative comments. That's why you're seeing all this bullying that takes place online. That I mean, people they have lots of comments about them that are positive, but then they only pick up. The ones、But、that are negative, which are maybe everyone, one,、though. two, or three, and it's so a, it's it just happens. I, I think yeah, there there's definitely that kind of personality, but also there's the other kind of personality, or we can sort of tell ourselves not、yeah. to be so bothered by that one bad apple comment、Easier、or whatever. Easier said than done. <laughs> yes, that I agree, but I still like to just stand on that soapbox repeatedly. Another time to do this, I will do, and that is. Like reclaim our freedom to honor and celebrate the divine feminism, or okay,、um, just the beauty in everybody within us all. And 
I mean, I, you are saying reclaim, but it, that's always been it's been a problem, especially when it comes to women. We always judged. So, well, then, how do you break away from that mode? Because it's in, in it's enough of of that stuff that we've been taking on for years, and yeah. now I think. Things have changed to a certain extent, but certainly it's not changed for good. And then maybe it takes some brave people to stand out there and say, "Well, sure, whatever you say, I am who I am, and I am, and I am here. I am not going anywhere." You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, Motivational Monday. Mo- 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 motivational Monday. Well, this is the uh, segment that we um, share with you: a motivational quotes, sayings, or stories. And actually, due to the limitation of time we have here,、um, I guess I will need to go about this one、uh, in straight ahead. Like this,、um, okay. So we've picked out a song for you this week.、Um, well. Uh, we thought that on a Monday it's best to、uh, drum up the enthusiasm and ma- maybe f- make you feel motivational, inspired, and good about the start of the week. So I've got Sia、mm. <laughs> in my mind, and、uh, here's a song that、uh, I feel that Sia's voice guides you、um, in lighting up. The day,、um, and also her songs just make you feel like you can conquer the world. And she knocks out the anthem of songs like no other. And this song is called "Bird Set Free."、Um, I think it's a really good song to listen to when you feel or you want to feel confident, and it kind of sends you into a swirl of emotions from maybe a little bit of sadness to feeling accomplished at the same time. And The way I see it is freedom from it could be a dysfunctional relationship, from an unsatisfying job or assignment, from whatever that is holding you down. You are free. Life is worth living, and your belief will help create the fact. For Sia in this song, she doesn't care if it's off key. At least she's singing, and she's singing for herself and for you. At least you're doing, and you're doing whatever it is for yourself.、Um, yeah, life is worthwhile if you try, and it doesn't mean you can't do everything, and it doesn't mean that you can do everything. But there are a lot of things you can do, and that starts with you just try. So that's it for today's roundtable. Enjoy the music, Sia's song. Bird set free, and thank you so much,、uh, Fei Fei and Pearl, for joining the discussion. I'm He Young. We'll see you next time. Oh,